Hey everybody, welcome to the Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. On this episode, I'll be discussing Aliens with Roger Andrews. Let's roll the film. Aliens was released in 1986 from director James Cameron. Also written by James Cameron, the film stars Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bien, and Carrie Henn. Why did you choose Aliens? Uh, let's see. Aliens might just be the best action flick ever made. In ever opinion, made? In my opinion. Wow. It's up there with Die Hard. Okay. Which I would consider maybe, the, you know, maybe 1A and um, a few others. But in my opinion, it has every single thing you want out of a film besides romance. Okay. You know, that's the element if you had to nitpick and find something that's missing in that movie. And there's but a, you could argue not without love in yeah, some form. There is love. Yes. But what there is is a lot of hate for aliens. This is true. <laughs> this is true. There's, and actually, more hate for uh, for humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the aliens. But uh, no, I, I I love that movie. It's it it is the movie I've seen the most times. Mm-hmm. I've seen it more. I've probably seen it once a year at least since it's come since it came out back in the eighties. Wow. So you're talking. What is that, like 20-something years ago? Yeah, that's a lot. So it's it's crazy. So it is ingrained in the brain. It's ingrained in the brain, so much so that I did very little research in anticipation (laughs) of doing this uh, podcast. It's unneeded. Unneeded. All right, so as I always do, too, I go to IMDb and gather a whole bunch of trivia. For this movie, there was a ton of trivia, so I had to really whittle it down, even though we still have a lot to go through. Great. Uh, The knife trick scene that we see in the beginning with Bishop, was not in the original shooting script. According to Lance Henriksen, the adding of Hudson's hand to the knife trick was discussed with almost everyone except Bill Paxton. Oh. So he didn't know that was going to happen. Nice. That explains why how natural that reaction oh, is. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that Bishop puts his hand on top of his, and there's an argument that he was adhering to those laws of robotics, that, that he, he can't. can't hurt a human, so that's his precautionary measure, that's just putting right. his hand on top of him there. Uh, Like most films, the movie wasn't shot in sequence, but for added realism, James Cameron filled the scene where we first meet the Colonial Marines last. This was so that the camaraderie of the Marines was realistic because the actors had spent months filming together. That's what I'm talking about. The man's brilliant. James Cameron. Yep. He really is. When filming the scene with Newt in the duct, Carrie Henn kept deliberately blowing her scene so she could slide down the vent, which she later called a slide three stories tall. James Cameron finally dissuaded her by saying that if she completed the shot... She could play on it as much as she wanted. She did, and he kept his promise. <laughs> did anybody get ice cream after? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get this shot right, you get an ice cream. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though, to see a kid. At, no, I want to do, no, it again. do it again. <laughs> they don't get that there's no, tons of they, money behind this. No, they don't. They, nor do they care. No, it's just, I want to go down the slide. Absolutely. While filming the power loader battle, the crew played a practical joke on Sigourney Weaver by strategically strapping a balloon connected to an air pipe to where her backside would be. When they pumped up the balloon, Sigourney thought that the man operating the power loader inside it was getting aroused behind her. <laughs> they butt blasted they her. They did. <laughs> they did. I don't know how many people know that there's actually a person inside the loader behind the people that are actually in it. Right. I would assume there was like a crew 
you know, with with cables connected to right, it. I realized right. it was a person. Oh, yeah, there's a person in wow. there, like in the actual suit of the power loader, which mm. is pretty crazy. And I believe there was some wire work yeah, as well yeah, on top to of be. that. Yeah. The alien nest set was kept intact after filming. It was later used as the Axis chemical set for 1989's Batman. Wow. When the Batman crew first entered the set, they found most of the alien nests still intact. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah, because I have to tie everything to Batman. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are Batman. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that true? Sigourney Weaver's Best Actress Academy Award nomination for this movie was the first ever for an actress in a role of an action movie. See, that's what I'm talking about. Groundbreaking. They recognized it the same way that you do. That's right. Really. In both the standard and special edition versions, the 15-minute countdown at the end of the film is indeed 15 minutes. See that? Can you imagine how difficult that is? What kind of editing oh my nightmare God. that had to be to yes. make that work out at exactly 15 minutes? Oh, completely. Right. Like, I've edited things that are three minutes long, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> Let alone... <laughs> Your weekly podcast. <laughs> to get that thing under an hour, it's like it's a, it's a Herculean task. Right. Let alone 15 minutes inside of a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Right. It's crazy. Lance Henriksen had privately pledged to quit acting if this part didn't work out for him after years of journeyman roles. It proved to be one of his most successful films. There you go. I think for a lot of people, it was one of their most successful films. The spear gun Ripley used at the end of Alien is briefly visible in the opening scenes, still stuck at the bottom of the escape pod door where it jammed 57 years earlier. See that? I love continuity. That See, that's another thing, too. There, It's so lush with that. It's so different from the original Ridley Scott mm-hmm. Alien in so many, so many ways, particularly in tone. Yes. But the fact that it, it bridges perfectly from it, mm-hmm. right? Immediately. Yeah. I mean, literally, the opening sequence, even the sound mix... And a lot of the effects, sound totally. effects, sound like they come from the, the world of the original film. 100%. Right. So, I mean, to me, that's what hooked me in. And remember, when here's, for context for your, yeah, for yeah. your listeners, when I saw the movie, that was what? It came out in 80... 86. 86. All right. So, I was 16 years old when it came out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the age where you can, well, at the time, you could drive yourself to the movie and see it on your own. Right. And for me, it had such impact because I'd seen the original Alien in 78 or whatever. Sure. Yeah, 79 or whatever that came out. And I saw that at the movies as a child. So imagine a nine-year-old. So I had all that trauma for <laughs> being a nine-year-old alone in the State Theater uh, yeah. downtown New Bedford, right? Watching you were having the movie. same nightmares yeah, that Sigourney same. Weaver was having in the so, movie. So I think maybe that's why it has so much resonance for me sure. because I carry over that sort of um, all that baggage from the first movie. And, and the way they captured that in the first couple of sequences with her Phenomenal. Makes total sense. There you go. The alien screams are baboon shrieks altered in post. Oh, knew that. Oh. You're going to have to research Whoa. that. I knew that. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's right. You watch it's this It's actually every, uh... the, the West African uh, baboon, if you want to be precise. <laughs> I have pictures of them on my iPhone. <laughs> there, there you go, right? <laughs> Budget constraints meant that they could only afford to have six hypersleep capsules for the scene set aboard the Sulaco. Clever placement of mirrors and camera angles made it look like there were 12 each hypersleep chamber cost over $4,300 to build. Man, imagine that nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that adjusted? Is that 80s adjusted, I wonder? Oh, at the time, Right, 90s, probably 40000 I know, right? Now, right? Yeah. You can tell, though, if you watch the movie, you can actually see, like, the mirror. You can tell, like, which one right. in the mirror is Sigourney Weaver and everything. And, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Listen, that they ran out of the money on? I know, right? <laughs> I know. Well, actually, in a way, it's probably good they spent more money on, the, you know, all the other effects. Right, right. Hicks was originally played by James Remar. James Remar? The yep. father from Dexter. 
What? Yeah, but Michael Bean uh, replaced him a few days after principal photography began. The often given reason for Remar being removed was due to artistic differences between Remar and director James Cameron. But in an episode 128 of the Sidebar podcast, Remar states that he was fired from the production because he was busted for possession of drugs. He said this was in a period of his life where he said he had developed a terrible drug problem. Remar still appears in the finished film. He is seen for one shot when the Marines enter the alien nest. Because he is seen from behind wearing the same armor as Michael Bean, it's impossible to tell the difference between the two actors. Wow. Man, that's... Say no to drugs, kids. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He could have been in Aliens. Wow. So imagine. I mean, I thought, I mean, not that Michael Bean's career has been, been on fire ever since. But, right, right. You know, but I, I mean, mean, James Remar has been doing pretty well for Yeah, himself. I was going to say, he might, might have worked out. A little rehab and... Yeah, you never know. Post, post uh, Aliens rehab and he was good. Most of the shots where it appears that the aliens are crawling quickly through tunnels or air ducts were filmed using a vertical shaft with the camera at the bottom and the alien actor lowered headfirst on a cable. Ah, and then when they tilt it, it looks like they're just moving really fast. Hey, kids, no CGI. <laughs> no CGI. <laughs> and I think it shows a little bit now watching it. it. Listen, it, oh, it is what it is. It is. But for that time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. That's that's oh, for that time. It was groundbreaking. It, it was unbelievable. And yeah. here's the thing we. I, maybe maybe it's just me, and we actually I've discussed this with with others before. Growing up in an analog world, mm-hmm. you tend to forgive that. Oh, absolutely. You tend to forgive. Oh, yes. if you see a wire here, or if you see a shadow, an off shadow. Mm-hmm. However, you do gain in everything being grounded with physics. Yes. You see the you feel the impact of things hitting. Hundred percent. So I mean, I I I'd rather have that actually. I like the the hybrid that some people have adjusted very well oh, to. J.J. Abrams. The new Star Wars movie right, looks yeah. like it's doing it. Yeah, it's been doing, doing it really well. Yep. In the med lab scene, just before Ripley reaches out to hug Newt after setting off the fire alarm, there's a futuristic piece of medical apparatus with three objects hanging down off of it that can be briefly seen in the foreground. These objects are actually three Transformers toys, namely the Decepticon Shockwave made by Hasbro uh-huh. in 1985. The toys have been spray-painted a dull silver color and are displayed in their laser gun mode, but with each of the robot toys' arms split apart. In the semi-transformation, the toy is made to look kind of like a futuristic grasping tool or perhaps even a laser scalpel. Isn't that clever, huh? And I've drawn those characters since yeah. then, too, which is ironic. <laughs> so we worked in Batman and Hasbro and Hasbro, this hello. <laughs> and I didn't even need to try. Right. Does that mean I'm Hasbro man? Exactly. <laughs> is that my identity? <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette Goldstein's character Vasquez inspired the character Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and Goldstein herself was initially considered for that part. She later went on to make a brief appearance in Star Trek Generations. Bill Paxton's character Hudson inspired the character Guy Freeman in the Star Trek spoof Galaxy Quest, which also starred Sigourney Weaver. Oh, wow. And actually, she played a character in uh, in Terminator 2. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's in this your This is true. It's notes. not, but you are right. That's right. She played uh, John Connor's uh, what? Uh, Foster. Foster yep. mom. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lance Henriksen caught a dose of food poisoning from the milk and yogurt combination that he had to spew up when his chest was pierced by the alien queen's tail. (laughs) Having this lactose combination sitting under hot studio lights created a bacterial breeding ground. Oh, again, no CGI. That one, they were were wishing they were CGI for that, I bet. And yet, when they made Alien, they didn't make that mistake. They uh, They did not use milk in the compound. 
for the Android. Right. It, look, it looked up. more um, like a like glue, right? Like a glue consistency. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So they they kind of foresaw that problem then, right. but then for the sequel, like ah, who cares? Well, they blew the <laughs> they blew the budget on all those uh, those That's uh, true. capsules. That's they, true. They blew the budget on that. Uh, a spy door toy from the He Man franchise was bought as a reference to test how the face huggers would move. Oh wow. You gotta love where the reference stuff comes from. I, I love that stuff. So great. Uh, the word fuck is used 25 times in the film. 18 of them are spoken by Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> All in a panic, too, right? Yeah, sure. right. It's <laughs> over, man. Game over. At the very end of the credits, the sound of an alien egg can be heard opening. Ah, interesting. I actually paid very close attention to that while watching it today, and it's, it's, quieter than you would hear throughout the rest of the film but it's definitely there oh that's cool and i should note that i watched the theatrical version not the special edition because i wanted to watch the original to see uh as was right okay so but have you seen the uh the extended probably okay it's it had been a long time since i've watched aliens uh so as we jump into the movie itself it kind of starts off by seeing ripley's shuttle get picked up by a larger ship and examined there's the nice transition uh, with Ripley's face doing the crossfade into the shape of the Earth. Right. I love those yeah, nice yeah, cuts. The, yeah, those transitions are. And James great. Cameron's a master of those. Yes, he I really mean, is. I mean, he's not the originator of them, certainly. Right. But, but it's uh, it's again great dramatic effect. Yep. All right. Ripley wakes up in a hospital to hear she was in cryosleep for 57 years when a chest burster starts to emerge, and then she wakes up doing the whole bad dream bit, which we see repeated in movies all the time. Right. And really never gets old when it's like a quick one like that. Like right. when it's the character, the end going, the whole movie was a dream. You're like, fuck you. But again, when it's like a quick sequence. And you're coming off again, of, you know, to put put the uh, the listener in my, my mm-hmm. shoes. You know, I, the last time you saw her, it's possible that she oh, could have been. Oh, yeah, 100% possible. Yeah. You know, something bad could have happened to her. So, yeah. So it, it's, it has more effect. It's less uh, gimmicky mm-hmm. the way it's used in that movie. Totally. Mm. And there's no delineation between... Because she was told in the hospital that she had been asleep for 57 years. The chestburster thing was part of the dream, but there's no cut in that for us. Right. It just all moves fluidly. So part of that happened and part of that didn't. Exactly. So like what happened really after she found out? Yeah, there was no Wayne's World. Right, right. There's none of that. There's no, none of that in there. I need a little more like yeah, <laughs> yeah. hand holding in a movie telling me what's what. Ripley is in a meeting with people from the company who don't entirely believe her story, and she's told that LV two, uh, sorry, LV four two six has been, I know, has been colonized for the last twenty years. Soon after, she's approached to escort the colonial marines to LV four two six after contact with the colony is lost. That's right, and the fact, and here's another subtle thing, is when they mention there are X amount of families mm. right there. Not just individuals. They, so you stop and think, God, this family is men, women, and children. Right. And that's something you actually lose in the theatrical cut. Oh, really? There is a scene where they show, uh, where they cut away and they mm-hmm. show families living on that base. Oh, okay. So you get to see it before it's all damaged and destroyed and, and see kids running around. You yep. see people in the, in the control room and in the med bay and you see right, that. Right, right. And so you get a kind of a sense on, like, there's people living there. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot that the the special edition had that added to it. Like, there's the whole side plot of uh, Ripley's daughter. Exactly, but, but that's very little about it. It's it is very little time. It is, but it really yeah. establishes the uh, the connection between her and Newt that that's, much more. That's right. Yeah, because she she lost her daughter. So right. You get that. And also, too, there's a sequence. I believe it's in the early part of it in the in the special edition. I'm filling this in for your your benefit as yeah, well. Yeah. Where they actually uh, show Newt's family. They're the ones that go out and mm-hmm. discover the derelict ship. 
Okay. And, and the father actually was the one who's impregnated with the initial facehugger. Oh, geez. So he's the one that drags it back into the base. So there you go. So that's that's another patient zero. There you go. Uh, we meet the Marines at that point who all start to establish their personalities in different ways. And it's so easy to do some of these things. I feel like James Cameron borrowed because he he had left the production of this to go do Terminator and then came back to it. Oh, I didn't realize it. And uh, Linda Hamilton and Terminator, uh, well, in Terminator 2, they establish like her as the the tough chick doing the pull-ups in jail. Right. And they do the same thing with Vasquez yep. in this. So that's something that he reuses in multiple movies. Kind of repurposed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also meet the android bishop, who Ripley isn't happy to see at all. No, no based, off her, based off her last experience with an android. On right, the right. Uh, the Marines touch down on LV-426, and after some exploration, find evidence of the aliens, but no life forms or bodies. They eventually come across both dead and alive facehuggers in glass containers for study, and they also find a young girl crawling around the air ducts, and after Ripley sits with her a little bit, gets her to open up and little say that Newt. her name is Newt. Little Newt. Little Newt, and only yeah. one person calls her Rebecca. That's right. Just her brother, Timmy. That's right. But everyone else calls her Newt. And no no origin of the name. I'm just Newt. No, just Newt. Yeah. <laughs> just Newt. Uh, and Newt was fine in the movie, but that accent kept coming and going throughout her English accent. Sometimes it was there. Sometimes yeah, it wasn't. These kids. These kids. You notice all that sliding. She might have yeah. slide. She well, this was her last movie, too. This was like her only on-screen performance. And then she went to go be a teacher. Really? Yeah. Oh, so she's like, what, 40-year-old woman somewhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did that. The kids probably don't even know, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the Marines pick up a bunch of life signs and head to the area where they seem to be congregating. They find a hallway that seems to be formed by a secreted resin, as they call it. They also learn that they can't fire their plasma weapons there or they risk a thermonuclear detonation. Why they didn't explain the reason to the Marines, I don't know, because like Vasquez slips in the extra magazine. No, I don't think she ca- I don't think she cared. Even if that were the case. Yeah, she's like, listen, I'm I'm coming in packed. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, here's a good chance to talk about the um the production. Yeah. The production design of that movie. Mm-hmm. That I think maybe that's so influential to many films after that. Oh yeah. Now, what it does is it roots that future tech mm-hmm. with modern tech. Absolutely. And the way they had these, these sort of these MIDI guns that they use, um, you know, these just, just even, even the sort of the, uh, the grenade launcher gun, mm-hmm. all of it is sort of rooted in real world tech. Yeah. But, you know, there's no lasers. There's none of that stuff, which I think to me gives it again, more resonance, mm-hmm. more impact. You know, it feels grounded. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the sets, again, you talk about the sets, but the sets feel real. I mean, you feel the, the moisture and you, and you feel the steel of it. And it's, that's the stuff you don't get. Yeah, and, you know, and again, I know people. Uh, people are fond of uh, crapping all over uh, the uh, prequels, the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. and, and justifiably so. Yeah, but that's what that mo- those movies have lost. Yes, in all those artificial environments, mm-hmm. is that real world? I mean, you could feel it. I mean, th- you get the sense that the actors are suffering. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I think that's. I think you suffer for your art. I, do. I mean, you, you. Yeah, you look at someone where they actually built these scenes and they can really interact with it and, instead right. of just like pretending. And, well, you talk about resin. I mean, yeah. stuff dripping all over the place. I mean, yep. it had to be a night, a continuity nightmare. Oh no! Because all the drips and all the stuff and all the moisture. Oh, that's not. That's not quite wet enough. We need to go over there and add more oil on that. You know, someone running with a spray bottle, just going. Oh, I guarantee you, there was no oil. There was no oil lady. No doubt. was going around spritzing. What was your job on Aliens? How's the oil lady? Spritz lady. The spritz, spritz lady. Spritz lady. Yeah. yeah. Much better. <laughs> uh, as they get deeper in, they find facehugger skeletons and empty alien eggs. Then a person who's barely alive before a chestburster pops out just in time to get a flamethrower in its face. This seems to get the attention of the warrior aliens who start to pick off the Marines. Yeah. One by one. In a, in a, in a nasty way. Again, tension. 
Yeah. How much tension is built up in that scene? And I think way smarter to not show it directly. Like right. a lot of it, they go to the monitors and they show the cuts and you don't exactly know what's going on. And that's way more. Is that the first first person shooter? Oh, interesting. Think about how much of that film, is, how much how much video games are derived from that mm-hmm. POV. True. Right? Think about that. I mean, that again, 80s, 86? Yeah. Right? I, I don't, there was no video game like that at the time, right? I, I don't, Not I mean, that I'm aware of. So, I mean, so there's where the direct inf- um, inspiration comes from. Absolutely. Right? Again, with the, you know, with the monitor and the, and the, the meters, how many, di- the distance between the movement and all yeah. that. It's, it's yeah. all stuff you get in video games now, right? First person shooters. Yeah. There you go. Another reason to love it. Ripley takes control of the APC and drives in to rescue the remaining soldiers. With several team members now dead, they decide the best course of action is to leave and nuke the whole site from orbit against Burke's wishes, of right. course, because we're just learning that he's a huge right. asshole. That's right. But are, but, but are they dead? But mm. are they dead? Mm. As the dropship takes flight to pick them up, an alien kills the pilot and the ship crashes down, eliminating their escape plan. And this is uh, in the aftermath of this. We get two of like the most memorable Classic. lines in the movie, Hudson, of course, going, game over, man, <laughs> game right. over, yeah, which right. was ad-libbed. That was ad-libbed? That was ad-libbed, apparently. Oh, cool. And uh, then Newt saying, they mostly come at night, mostly, <laughs> which I always think of Cartman, because he did a version of that in one of the South Park episodes, nice. mostly. <laughs> another, influential, another influential scene from uh, from that film. Yeah, the parody's everywhere. Yep. It does. It's a weirdly delivered line, though, too. They mostly come at night. That's mostly. right. Like, why say it again? That's right. Just it's fear. It's fear so makes you weird. repeat stuff. Yeah. Makes you repeat stuff. Uh, Hicks gives Ripley a locator to wear so she can be located anywhere inside the complex. And Ripley ends up passing it on to Newt so she'll feel safer and go to sleep. Bishop discovers that the alien blood neutralizes after enough exposure to air, which didn't really seem to go anywhere. Like, it's a fact that they pointed out. Well, there is some some, some spray. You get some, uh, some, you get some spray, spray yeah. so it takes a little bit of time to right. be neutralized, but then that, that doesn't really play out anywhere. Right. He's yeah. just like, hey, this is a thing that happens. Okay. Well, I think, I think it's for this. There's a scene that you're probably getting to where, oh, yeah. they're, where they're inside that tank and they get sprayed and it, and it takes... And it hits the armor, and they have a oh, certain amount right. of time to be able to get the armor off before it, right, it right. gets through their uh, through the flesh. True, true. So uh, when Ripley tells Bishop to destroy the remaining face huggers, he says he's under orders from Burke to bring them back for study. Ripley gets pissed and confronts Burke, learning that after her trial, he sent the colonists to find out if there actually was an alien ship where Ripley said it was. See, that's the again another element way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. That sort of uh, corporate conspiracy. Yeah. And it's funny how we actually, it's a great allegory to what's going on now. Yeah. I'm sure it was going on then. I mean, in the 80s, I'm sure it was, it was kind of the height of the sort of the uh, corporate world and sort of the, the, the way things are, the way they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that over sort of that sort of overlord quality to the company, they call it the company. Right. You know, was it Wayland? Wayland Yutani. Yutani. Yeah. That, that is um, the way that's seeded in all, actually, it's seeded in all the Aliens films, but particularly, it's particularly well done in that Burt character. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of sniveling sort of, uh, you know, uh, account executive. Yeah. Character. And what a great choice yeah. for playing Burt. Yeah, Paul Reiser. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That's a great. And, and the thing about it is, it, it, it again, it colors the, it adds a layer that a lot of films, particularly action films, don't even wait, they don't even bother. 
you know, and taken taken two is not concerned about the the company, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> just they just want to know how many, how particular his skills are. You know, exactly. particular set of skills are. They are yeah. very particular They're set of very skills. Very particular set of skills. <laughs> uh, they learn about another problem as the nuclear reactor has started venting, meaning that it's going to blow in about four hours. That's right. Nuclear blast the size of Nebraska. If I That's right. That's if exactly I right. Correct. Wow, you really don't need a refresher at all. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen it thirty times. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop heads outside to the uplink tower to remotely pilot another the drop ship so that they can leave the planet i i kind of liked in the scene too when he was like i'll do it, it he kind of got drowned out and he was like i'll do it and almost again right yeah because they're like, all bickering it's right? like they're guys bickering. i'll i'll do it that's right well that's when well you get the other classic line where they cut the power what do you mean they cut the power with right. animals right you know you right. get that then yeah. that's when and and then he just let's face it who else is gonna crawl through that tunnel right you know he actually he did the original crawling through like the shawshank Redemption crawling through a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you did the original. It was just it, the way it was all delivered. Like when they are talking, you, you don't see that in movies all the time, and it's so much more right. realistic. Yeah, it's conversational. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel like scripted dialogue. Right. It feels like they're actually in a real conversation. We're just fly on the wall, which yeah. is how it should That's feel. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Ripley and New wake up from a nap to find two stasis containers empty and face huggers running around. They signal the surveillance cameras, but Burke, continuing to be an asshole, Ugh. shuts off the monitor before the rest of the team can see it. Mm. Ripley sets off the fire alarm, and the Marines rush in to kill both of the facehuggers. Now, again, incredible tense scene. Yes. Right? I mean, they're that's, locked in a container with two facehuggers. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, that, again, maybe, listen, the action in it's phenomenal, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell that forever. Mm-hmm. But it's the tension. It's the tension built. Yeah. It's a lot of, and a lot of it's done subtly. You True. know, a gradual bit like that scene of them in the med bay and they wake mm-hmm. up and, and how it's all revealed in little cuts. Yeah. You see the glass container on the floor yep. open and you know that that's, and then you see Burke switch off the, the slow the, build, switch off the monitor, knowing yeah. that they can't see what's going on with them. Yep. Phenomenal. And you, and someone had to be, even just the thing of her reaching up to see that the gun is not on the bed anymore right. is an indicator of like the aliens and the facehuggers are not moving guns around. Right. So there's an indication somebody else was involved in this. He had to have gone in the room, moved the gun, tipped over the container, like so many steps. Yeah. yeah. Lock them in. Yeah. Then turn off the monitor so other people wouldn't, wouldn't help them. So many ways. So that they can get impregnated. So that they can, <laughs> that's, that's not right. No. That's not right. For what? For the bottom line? We, if, if there's anything Rise we've up, learned in society, in society, it's you do not forcibly impregnate anything. No, never. Never <laughs> do that. There's no, <laughs> there's no modicum of, no, of society that It's never okay. No, never. <laughs> uh, right before they're able to punish Burke for his actions, the power is cut. Hudson and Vasquez detect movement everywhere, and they discover the aliens are coming in above them. Oh, that's, that's a nice, the little peak above oh, you just see. That's so you see. It. Oh, that's and the music. Yep, the music cues in that are great. Fantastic. Oh man. Yeah. Burke runs away and locks the door behind him, only to come face to face with an alien who we assume kills him. That's the other thing that's nice too. There's very few kills that we actually right. see. So it's always, well, do they just grab him and bring him back and cocoon him? So like when the nuclear bomb went off, maybe Burke died in that. Most likely. Yeah. Right. Cause they're programmed, the warrior aliens are programmed to bring them, bring them to a place where you can have right. them impregnated. Right. 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 So, or maybe he had been impregnated at that point. Maybe he was just waiting to gestate and that's right. Still blew up. <laughs> still got, <but laughs> still got blown up in a nuclear blast the size of Nebraska. That's all that matters. <laughs> Newt takes them into the vents and leads them away. When Bishop informs them that the new dropship will arrive in 16 minutes. Usually it's 15, 20. I like the 16, 16 feels a little minutes. more real yeah. just cause it's slightly off. 
Vasquez is attacked and Gorman goes to help, but they're outnumbered. So with their final act, they detonate a grenade and take out as many aliens as they yep. can. A little self-sacrifice. And I love how uh, Vasquez's last line of, you always were an asshole, Gorman. <laughs> right. That That's was right. great. Yeah. Uh, Newt falls down a vent, which is that sliding thing yeah, that we talked slide. about earlier. And below the complex, so Hicks and Ripley go after her. Right before they get to her, an alien grabs her again where... We don't see a death, so and Ripley further establishes, oh, I'm, I right. know she's alive. When earlier in the movie, when the Marines were being taken, she was like, they're probably dead. Right, yeah, <laughs> and now right. it's like she's attached to Newt, so she's like, she's probably alive. Yeah, we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For Newt. So there's even like this kind of sense of building of hope throughout the movie, too, right. because earlier Ripley didn't even want to go back to the planet. She wanted nothing to do with anything. No. Like when they're taken, leaving behind. Right. It's 50 something years later for her, but I mean, right. it's like it literally happened overnight. Her dealing with the alien from the first film. Yeah. Yeah. And losing her whole crew. So you'd think like out of anybody, right. she would have the smallest arc because she's kind of been through this before, but she still had. Right. She had a, a journey. Arc. Right? Yeah. She had actually, that's again, another thing that's uh, an element missing in a lot of great action films mm-hmm. is a, a journey for for the lead character totally and she was she really was scared to death to go on this mission oh yeah and then fought through that to go yeah and then ultimately became a hero yeah and had to rise up again right. she had to, to save everybody again, yeah. as they enter an elevator hicks is badly hurt by the alien blood getting the through Ugh. the chest plate ripley helps him to the drop ship and has bishop take her back to the nest so she can rescue newt who she believes will be alive and cocooned right in the nest, Ripley uses the locator she gave to Newt to track her down, but finds just the wristband by itself. Uh, that was a crushing moment. You a, see it on her face. That's right. Yeah, She's assumed that. That's it. She's gone. Right. Right. We see Newt cocooned, and a face hugger starts to emerge from an egg, causing her to scream. Ripley hears that scream, finds Newt, kills the face hugger, and then there are several explosions, causing the two of them to rush into another chamber where they encounter the alien queen. Mm, gnarly. Again, production design. Yeah. The fact that he, uh, you know, Cameron, I'm assuming, actually, because he's an incredible illustrator mm-hmm. and, and designer. He did he, design the Alien Queen. He designed Queen. the Alien yep. Queen. Yeah. I mean, that visually is unbelievable. Yeah. And it's creepy, too. Just the just the, 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 the whole, actually, the way that scene plays out, the way, yep. the way it pans across, starting out from where it drops the egg all the way through yeah. the tubular. It's a great that, reveal. That sort of organic tubular structure that mm-hmm. actually leads into the, into the queen. Yeah. And everything, even the breathing is really, really creepy. It's slightly different from the yeah. warriors and right, everything. Yeah. And, and she's enormous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it makes sense. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so well produced as a, as a concept design. And that, you know, that hits me in the heart, you know, right, the concept right. design part of it. I did read that there was discussion as to whether or not to bring H.R. Geiger back to take care of that. But they were like, the only new thing we're really doing right. is the alien queen. And like, I sketched one of those up already. Right. <laughs> well, what they said. did do, there was some subtle changes in uh, the design. Obviously, I mean, when you do a movie back in 79, mm-hmm. when the first one came out, it was a guy in a suit and it was sure. obvious. Sure. But these, these sort of Sam Winston, Stan Winston, Stan Winston, yeah. uh, sort of animatronic versions, mm-hmm. they were incredible. I'm sure there was a mixture of man in suit Absolutely. and animatronics, but the design was refined. Mm-hmm. You can see, cause I, you know, you, the comparison is, is pretty obvious. Yeah. There was yeah. like 14 people or something to make the alien queen move <sighs> right. around. Like it was ridiculous. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you can't just, again, it's, and I'm, you know, broken record on this, but the, that and CG just wouldn't have the impact. No. It just wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I There's agree. There's no way around it. And as great as the CG is now, and it, and it gets better every year, but mm-hmm. it's just, it wouldn't have that impact. It just wouldn't. Yeah. One of the things, too, with the Queen, she actually retains something from the original design of the warrior aliens. Right. Uh, when they were originally made, they thought about making them translucent. 
as like kind of a camouflage type idea, right. but they scrapped it because they wanted something a little more solid. And it would be hard, really hard to do an entire alien oh, translucent. Sure would. But they made the queen's teeth translucent and kind of an homage to that right. lost concept art. And, and it, what it did is it made her more evolved. Yes. You know, again, subtle. Yeah. It's a subtle, a subtle little touch in, in the production design that, mm-hmm. that adds more weight. Yeah. And actually when they were making, speaking of just the, work it takes to build all these things there were only about six actual alien costumes made really yeah so, so six dudes running <laughs> to sort of replicate all these the uh kind of illusion that there are tons of warrior aliens right. when in reality there were only about six well that's what i mentioned earlier when it said i think there was like 83 families or mm-hmm. something i can't i can't recall what the number was i should after 30 yeah 30 viewings i should remember but now when you stop to think that's like 200 and something you know, these aliens running around. Sure. Whereas in the first movie, there's one and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And again, that added to it. Yeah. For me, anyways, as yeah, a viewer yeah. at the time. Uh, Ripley uses her flamethrower to threaten the eggs. There's a little kind of like nonverbal right. communication cat, going on there. there yeah. yeah. And the warrior aliens back down. You see him kind of skulk away. As one, the egg starts to open. She decides to just torch them all anyway <laughs> and uh, starts firing grenades into the queen's egg sack. Uh, the queen gets like dislodged from those explosions and then tears herself free. From the damaged sack, which looked kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Pursues Ripley and Newt, who make it back upstairs to find the dropship's gone. As the queen emerges from another elevator, the dropship reappears and picks them up in time as the facility explodes in a nuclear detonation. And again, another heart-wrenching scene because you, she has this distrust for the android. Mm -hmm. So she naturally, you know, she could have assumed that he was gone. Very true. You know, and and he did obviously return to to save them, but right, you know, but again, that was um seated in the in the previous movie and brought along on this one. Yeah, right. I was somewhat amused by the uh, look on the alien queen's face when she saw the elevator right. and like did the almost like it's puppy like, dog head tilt. Like, yeah, the tilt, yeah. right? That's right. <laughs> Which is pretty good puppetry. Oh, think totally. About it. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, acknowledgement. Essentially, that's it was a gigantic puppet. Yeah. puppet, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's damn good puppetry. Oh hell yeah, you know. Back on their home ship, Bishop explains that the platform wasn't sturdy, so he was circling, waiting for them, and Hicks is unconscious after getting another shot for the pain. As they exit the dropship, Ripley finally tells Bishop that he did good, only to see the end of the Queen's tail impale him and lift him up and rip him in half. Right. That was a gruesome scene. Probably (laughs) the most gruesome in the entire movie, and they probably got away with it because the fact it was... Blood was white, yeah, white, yeah. That's so right. it makes a difference. Yeah, it's a, so it's it's real. It's it's gory, but in a, in a, in an odd way, right? And the thing is, also, did you see that coming? No. Yeah. See, I mean, how many times you watch something? At that point, the go, movie's like over right, in yeah. our minds, right? It was winding down. Yeah. You're like, all right, they got away. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and this what another 10, 15 minutes beyond that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. The queen descends from the underside of the dropship, and Ripley gets her attention, so Newt can run away. Ripley closes a door to escape the queen, so the queen turns her attention back to Newt by ripping up the floor vents to get to her. When the door finally opens back up to reveal Hipley, uh, reveal Ripley. <laughs> oh, Hipley, I like in Hipley. A Hipley <laughs> in, a, in a badass superhero. No, pose. she's Hipley. She's like, she's wearing like a flannel and she's having like, she's sipping overpriced coffee. Totally. <laughs> oh, how's it she's, going? She's, she's carrying a skateboard that she's never ridden. <laughs> in her yeah. horn room glasses. That's right. Yeah. And a beard. Uh, Ripley's standing in the power loader. Classic hero classic. shot. Lit from behind. Backlit. Yep. Backlit. Oh, yeah, so great. good. In the classic line. Stay away from her, you That's bitch. That's right. Yep. Ripley gets two good swings in, then opens an airlock door. She knocks the queen inside, but falls down with her, with the power loader landing on top of the queen. As Ripley climbs out, the queen grabs her legs, so she opens the outer airlock door, and uh, Ripley's shoe gets pulled off. 
Queen goes with her. Reeboks too, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah, they were I didn't even notice. <laughs> It's crazy. Reeboks made it to the company. Wow. And see, these days, that would that's probably right. be Nike. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, a little higher Nike. on the totem pole yeah, these Nike, days. Yeah. Uh, Ripley manages somehow to climb up the ladder with an airlock. The only <laughs> only thing I will concede of that entire, and I will battle anyone. Right, right. Only A, would she have the strength to hold herself up? Remember, she kind of caught the top right, rung of the, right. uh, the ladder. And just her arm holds herself with all the explosive decompression. Yeah, her arm would have ripped yeah, her right out rip, of the Yeah, ripped her, her body <laughs> and her, yeah, right out of the It has nothing to do with strength. And the fact that she had the strength to climb up over the top. Against that, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing I can assume is maybe the, it, the, the pressure normalizes at a certain yeah, point. That's yeah. the only thing I can assume. Well, we'll give him. Yeah, we'll give him a yeah, benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it's been good Listen, they gave point. us two hours and ten minutes of good filming <laughs> at that point. What, how are we going to complain? Uh, she climbs up the ladder. The airlock doors close. We see Bishop's torso holding the floor with one hand and Newt with the other. That was so he's right. still. I don't want to say kicking because he doesn't have a bottom half. <laughs> yeah, that's but. right. Not, yeah, he's, he's kicking maybe on the other side of the airlock. Well, yeah. That's just off screen. Yeah. We don't see that. As a matter of fact, I think his lower torso went down the down the shoe. Did it? It, it? it may did. have. Oh my god! Uh, Newt jumps into Ripley's arms and calls her mommy. Oh, could have called her Hipley. Could have called her Hipley. Could have called her Hipley. Yeah. Yeah, but that was an interesting kind of cap to their relationship at right. the end with her just going mommy. That's right. Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit of emotional yeah. resonance. Yeah. Finally, Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and what's left of Bishop go into the cryo chambers and fall asleep. Right. Roll credits. Roll credits. So, all right. So now I know, again, you haven't seen the movie since you were a kid, right? Right. right. Um, Not particularly a fan of it. So thoughts on it now having... Not particularly a fan of the Alien franchise. Okay. I will say the, the ending, I wanted just one more shot, maybe, of their ship kind of like... I don't know, with Earth and distance or something to just kind of cap it off more than right. nap time. I, I, I can see a point, but I think that's that's not that movie. I think that you know what that is? That's the point in the roller coaster where you just you come in and you're yeah. safe and you and you, you get out of your car and you and you, you walk off to, to the next right, uh, right. It's just that's it, it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like literally they kicked you in the ass for two hours that's and true. Six, that's sixteen true. minutes or however long it was, two hours and thirty minutes and yep. That's it. You're done. You yeah. Know, let's, let's let's take a break. Let's let's relax. I do have to admit that seeing it now, I like it better than when I saw it originally. Right. Because my issue with the first Alien movie, and I think that's the one that I dislike more mm-hmm. than this, is because well, you know how much I hate horror movies. Oh yes, yeah. And, that and movie, the first yeah, movie a is movie, a horror right? movie. Yeah. This one is much more of an action movie, and I right. have memories of it being more horror based than it felt this right. time i think it's more tense than it's horror yes right and yeah. i'm i'm totally down with like anxiety inducing like right. paranoia horror and thrillers if you're a gamer that's cool right you're a gamer so yeah. i think that appeals to that same it's that same part of the brain sure right sure. that's exactly what that is that's that's the again in my opinion it's the forefather of all you know maybe not there might be a, a film or two that came out around that same time that mm-hmm. sort of represents that same sort of first person shooter pov but i don't know I, I, to me that is i think that's what appeals to so many people james cameron was able to capture that way back in the day yeah so that's why that's what i mean listen I, I don't like it just because of it i think i i think i like it the most because of its direct tie to the first movie mm-hmm. and how it just took it and and ramped it up it put it on steroids mm. and which is perfect for the 80s because everyone's on steroids so True. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing whenever they do movies like this too uh, like in the first movie, we had the one alien that was the villain. 
And it was like this just unstoppable force. Right. Now there's tons of them and they're just like shooting them out of the walls and stuff. That's right. It's always funny when, like, because every franchise does this it, too. Again, it's a template. It's right. Because it, yeah, it, it works. I right. Guess. And I guess they just like depower them for the next right, movie yeah. because that one, if that one was right. within this group, but they the would have been screwed. If I, if I understand this correctly, in the, in the alien mythology, mm-hmm. you know, which, we, which does not exist, <laughs> um, they, uh, the aliens uh, sort of, they take on the shape and size of the host. Okay. So you can get a bigger, bigger and smaller ones. Right. Which is so why you get predator them, aliens yeah. later on. And... So my suspicion is some of them are children. Yeah. You know, some of them you know, okay. are teenagers. Some of them are women. Some, you know what I mean? Sure. So that is my suspicion. That makes sense. A, okay. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe. I'll take your yeah. rationale. Maybe they had a dog. Maybe they had a maybe someone. <laughs> but, but the fact is, too, there was no weaponry that they had in the first movie. Like, like the, alien, also the true. Uh, space marines came in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so you can see, you can imagine how, how high-powered all that weapon, and you saw how high-powered all that weaponry was. Yeah. So, and, and they're supposed to be, they're well-trained. Mm-hmm. And the first movie was just a group of, right, they were just miners, basically. Right, right. Yeah, they yeah. weren't warriors. Yeah, they weren't. None of them. They yeah. had, like, flamethrowers. Like, yeah. Jerry rigged flamethrowers in the first movie. So, yeah. there you go. All right. What can we uh, plug? What's uh, people find your work online? And uh, Well, we can find all of my fine illustrations. <laughs> Uh, I'm uh, Rand, R-A-N-D, 247.com. You can see a lot of uh, sort of my toy and game art on there and uh, some of my advertising art on there. And and uh, you can look you can look me up on Facebook as well. And um, I'm on DeviantArt as well, Rand247. So All over the place. Yeah, I, I got art everywhere. Everywhere. I wonder if I have any alien pieces up. I don't know. Maybe If not, I it'll should, have to happen I should. Soon. After this, I should put something Yeah, up. do one when you get home. Tonight. That's right. <laughs> awesome, Tom. Thank you for joining me. Random Movie Club is a production of The Geek Generation. You can get every episode along with everything else we do over at thegeekgeneration.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our flagship podcast, The Geek Generation, available both on the site and on iTunes. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstown Music for our theme song. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Star Wars A New Hope. See you then.